1: Blue
2: Iron. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Villato. Today we're here to continue our draft profile series with a prospect who's very intriguing. This is not a prospect who's a slam dunk. This is not a prospect who's going to be drafted in the top five. I ultimately don't think he's even going to be drafted in round one though I would not be surprised to see a team come back up to the top or to the end of round one to come and get him if they fall in love with him. And he's a really intriguing player that I think specifically the Giants could benefit from potentially adding on to the roster now. There's massive, massive, massive difference between his ceiling and floor. That's going to be something we're going to discuss on this podcast. But we're once again harping on a player and a prospect who. Place a position and can contribute in ways the Giants simply need in desperate mode, in my mind, when we're talking about the edge rusher position. And so tonight we're going to be featuring Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips. So let's start. Where would you like to start, Nick? Let's put it there. Where would you like to start with Phillips? What stands out the most to you? Because right, I'll ask you this when I've read a few scouting reports on Phillips, something I can see mentioned over and over is his pop on contact. So a, do you think that he has elite, borderline elite pop-on contact? Because that's what I hear. And B, what exactly does that mean? Oh,
3: yeah. He has excellent pop-on contact. He carries heavy hands. It's like another term people in the scouting community use. I've heard that one. It's right <laughs> off the snap. He gets his hands inside or just whatever he does with his hands. It's how the – person who's being blocked reacts to it initially he basically jalen phillips that is controls the point of attack right off the snap because his hands are a super strong heavy and he knows where and when to hit him he has good timing he knows how to set up his counter moves if it is a pass rush or if he's just trying to stack and shed against the run he leverages how to use his hands very very well and he also combines that with a lot of other great traits that we're going to get into including very good movement skills for someone of his impressive size
2: yeah and speaking of his impressive size six foot five nearly 265 pounds at least that's what he's listed at 266 he probably plays closer to 260 that to me feels like the exact type of edge rusher and the exact type of player the giants need coming off the edge pff actually compares him to frank clark and once you see these comparisons and then you watch these players you can start it it does sometimes stay in your head and sometimes you do kind of get that feeling with somebody like phillips I did kind of notice that when watching him. It really seemed like he has a lot of the traits that win off the edge. And go into some more traits from Phillips that really impressed you and kind of lead you to having such a strong evaluation of the prospect.
3: Yeah, footwork at the line of scrimmage, change of direction, using hands and feet in conjunction with each other to set up offensive tackles, whether that's with inside moves or outside moves. He knows how to kind of win well first off he knows how to establish the half man relationship and then win off of that plus just his size his build his length and his strength are already all basically nfl ready i i think and i said this i wrote i wrote up a piece on him for sports illustrated which i don't believe posted yet but i wrote it back towards the end of january and i said i think by the time it's all said and done i believe Jalen phillips will be a first round pick i really loved his evaluation i said i would have taken him over gregory rousseau in a previous podcast and i still stand by that now there are going to be concerning things we'll bring up a little bit later about him but in terms of traits on the field winning against offensive tackles winning with inside moves converting speed to power all the pass rushing things that you really look for plus the just lateral movement skills the explosiveness the burst all of those things jalen phillips possesses and he doesn't have that much college production which we'll get into But he's definitely very very interesting
2: yeah and it's interesting when it comes to the college production because we'll get to that in a second I guess I can touch on that right now because it's true that he doesn't have that much overall college production but on the limited sample size of when he kind of did get to break out he actually has a ton of production if you just look at his 2020 season alone as a standalone season he finished it with eight sacks in just 10 games He had 15 and a half tackles for loss. He had one game where he had six pressures in a single game against Pittsburgh and absolutely dominated that football game. He finished the season with 36 total pressures in the final seven games, according to PFF. That's absolutely out of this world. I mean, we're talking about someone who's averaging, what, five, more than five pressures a game. That's crazy kind of stuff and yes you're playing alongside roche uh quincy roche in that defense and it's obviously a talented front but he was the lead dog on that he was the guy getting all the production so yes he doesn't have the full college reduction and we'll get to why in a minute but overall after finding his own and coming back to football which we'll get to as well he was arguably one of the most dominant um college football pass rushers in just the 2020 season alone i mean if you look at just pffs numbers he's well above average in run stop rate at 7.7 percent. so if you had any concern about him being a one trick pony and only an edge guy a guy who can win off the edge for the giants but can't hold up as a run defender well you can throw that out he had a 20.3 percent pass rush win rate well above average his true pass rush grade 84.2 run stop grade 83 pass rush grade 86.5 so he is well above average in all of those regards and in that line I mean it just comes down to where how comfortable you feel with somebody who now as we'll get into it only had one year of production now why did he only have one year of production well you can get into that
3: yeah so Jalen Phillips was by some by some accounts, the number one ranked recruit in the 2017 recruiting cycle. He ended up going to UCLA. So he only played one year at Miami. He goes to UCLA, he deals with some sprained ankles, he deals with a couple of other head injuries, things like that, and then he also had an off the field injury i think he was riding a scooter or something like that and he ended up getting hurt and this prompted him to retire from football so he retired very briefly in 2018 from ucla and then he automatically entered his name into the well not automatically but he basically automatically entered his name into the transfer portal and ended up transferring to miami had to sit out 2019 because he was in the transfer portal and then 2020 he got to play so he never played alongside gregory rousseau so, twenty twenty he steps onto campus and he has a complete season where he is fully healthy, didn't miss a practice, didn't miss anything. So there are a lot of people who are afraid by his medical issues because of all everything that happened at UCLA, the fact that he retired. But when you look at just 2020 in general, you see a healthy season. You see him absolutely dominate. You saw the analytical metric, but you turn on the film and you're like, who the hell is number 15 out there? Holy crap, that guy is flying around. He's holding up at the point of attack. He's winning as a pass rusher. He's doing so many good things for his football team. It makes you think, well, how concerned should I be about those past medical transgressions? Because just off football, this kid can play.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He was actually the number one overall recruit, according to 24-7 Sports, which has kind of taken over as the number one go-to, and in large part because during his junior and senior seasons at the high school level, he had 30 and a half sacks with two interceptions and almost 220 tackles. It's He had video game numbers from a defensive player, and now you look at him this season, so just to go back a little bit on what you said, Nick, he didn't play all of 2019. That was the season he retired from football because he had an incident where he was riding a scooter and he got hit by a car and it was actually a really bad accident he suffered head injuries and i believe uh it was either shoulder or hip injuries that less important because as he tried to make his way back on the field he dealt with more head injuries and then he retired and then he came back in 2020 with miami so ultimately you're going to have to ask yourself with a player like this are you willing to one bypass the injury history and the risk of concussions now. We've seen plenty of players who have concussions earlier in this career continue to play. Brandon Cooks has had bad concussions, he's still playing. Sterling Shepard once said that, you know, I have to seriously think about quitting football because I have a family now because of the concussions. He's still playing. I think ultimately the concussions is a little bit less concerning to me. If he wants to play football, he's gonna play football in my mind. But you also have to factor in that he really only has one year at least at the collegiate level of dominant production now having said that like you said it's not hard for you to watch his tape and and as you pour through it to see that well this guy might actually be like pound for pound probably the most product. like do you think it's possible that obviously factoring in the floor otherwise he would be the fifth or sixth seventh pick he could end up just being the best edge in this class. I think it's definitely possible when it's all said and done,
3: but there's a couple players I'd probably end up saying that about, so it's not a declarative statement, but is there
2: an avenue to where Jalen Phillips can end up being the best edge in this class? Absolutely. And we've done Pay. you've done Roche. I don't. I think that from what I've seen, I'd put him ahead of them. Now, Rousseau is a whole other issue, because for me, Rousseau just has a lot of untapped potential, and so it's hard to say he can't be the best. But as far as the other guys, I mean, Phillips seems like just based on how dominant he was and you know this again i put stock in somebody who was the number one recruit coming out i put stock in talent and the talent developing in different situations maybe it just wasn't all there for him in that ucla defensive system maybe it just wasn't a fit on and off the field in that program whatever it may be when you come out and you dominate like he did at miami and as you said i mean as we talked about he really felt it in those last seven games when he racked up nearly you know five pressures a game and nine sacks and seven games so I look at him as somebody who's probably not going in the top 20 picks, probably not going in the top 25 picks. To me, I know you said he could be a first round pick. He definitely well could be. But I think in general, when you have these guys who have like retired from football, concussion injury, uh, concussion issues, they had to transfer schools. Usually I see them kind of that kind of being baked into their overall final where they're selected in the draft. So for me, as I look at a player like this, I'm really interested in, in taking a big swing on him at like if he's there at pick 42.
3: Oh, if he's there for the Giants, that would be a slam dunk type of pick if everything checks to out. An now, you and I yeah.
2: aren't doctors, so we right, would have right. to always
3: come down to the medicals. But just to give people context, at UCLA his freshman year, he actually had a pretty solid season when he was on the field, but he was dealing with a uh, left ankle injury and a right ankle injury. But he had seven and a half or seven tackles for a loss and three and a half sacks. And that was in his true freshman year. And then his sophomore year, he dealt with a slew of injuries, barely saw the field. And then in 2019, he opted out that entire season. So yes, you have to bake that into the evaluation, but you also want to look at the player see his tape and and judge it off the merits of the tape and the tape checks out like for me Gregory Rousseau I I see I see a lot of buildable parts to his game and he had one uber productive season just like Jalen Phillips but when I turn the tape on to me Jalen Phillips looks like a much more advanced player than Gregory Rousseau Especially as a pass rusher. Especially as a pass rusher, yes. And also with Phillips, he holds the point of attack very well. Like, he's not getting bitched in the run game or anything like that. He can definitely hold his own as somebody
2: who tasked to set the edge. Yeah. And even like Rousseau, he also has success winning against guards as well. So he can do that as well. He can line up from the inside and win. It's not just always, you know, outside the tackle, although obviously most of his snaps were outside the tackle. But you could see him on tape stunt on the inside and get pressure so there were different ways for him to get by because he's quicker than any guard and he'll be probably quicker than most guards in the NFL of obviously ACC guards are not really translating too often to the NFL but again he had some decent competition there played Clemson played Florida State they get some good talent in their Virginia Tech as well um and even UNC to an extent so I don't think it's like he totally you know bypass playing matching up against any decent talent on the offensive line but I'll say this as far as Phillips goes. I think that ever since Oa Digazua for the Giants, I'm never going to call— which I thought, by the way, at the time, was one of the best value picks they've ever made. I was so thrilled with the pick, and I thought they were gonna. it was going to be an unbelievable pick. Ever since then, I'll never call a pick with this kind of injury, weird history, a slam dunk. What you're getting, but it is a, it, you're, there's a floor. There's a floor to Phillips. He could quit football. They don't know. I mean, he could have no interest in, in, not no interest in the game, but decide, you know, well, I retired once and now this is it for me. I won't know that. You won't know that. The Giants, quite honestly, won't really know that because, you know, you've seen... Same thing happened, not just with OA, DeAndre Baker. They had no clue what was going to happen there. They seemed like they had a good grasp on him. Eli Apple, a player they took at, what, 10 overall, and yet he really didn't have a good love for the game, clearly. And so that's something they got to deem. But as far as just the upside goes, I do think that you're not going to get a pass rusher with his kind of upside beyond pick twenty twenty five normally in any draft class and i think with phillips you might have a shot to get him i think there's a decent shot he's going to be on the board at 42 i really do believe that i'm not as high on you as that i would love for that to be the case at 42
3: slash 43 or whatever we're calling it on this specific podcast because <laughs> if you can get a pass rusher with that type of athletic ability and that type of ability to string moves together convert speed to power use his hands in the run game, uses hands in the pass game, uses hands basically effectively. I have hands written down in my notes so many different times. Just strong hands, grip strength. You want somebody who can control the point of attack with his hands in so many different ways in this game of football that we all freaking love to watch. And he's definitely somebody that can offer that type of upside. And honestly, the floor is all medically based. It's it's not skill yeah. based on the field. So, And that's something that I can't really weigh in on because I'm not a freaking doctor. But...
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Physically based, and then also just mental, which mm, we don't have yeah, to, again, yeah. have no grip Absolutely. on whatsoever. And I think again, you're you're probably right. He probably. I still do like push comes to shove I think it'll likely be a late first round pick I do not think we'll go in the early first round based on this with that history I think when you quit football even if it's just for a year it's it's something that gives people gives these draft evaluators some pause I really do believe that um and we'll see what happens there but ultimately my question for you would also be this Nick how do you think he fits in the Patrick Graham system can he drop in coverage if they need him to can he do all the things that is asked from a edge in this system. But before we dive into that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors.
1: Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply.
3: Yeah, Dan, I think he can translate to Patrick Graham's system because Patrick Graham is looking for a someone who can hold up the point of attack. That's why we liked players like Cairo Fackrell and also someone who can move in space. And I, Phillips, yes, he's 265 pounds, but he is still someone who can move in space. That's not how you want to ideally use him, but I think he can be a boundary defender and a cover three drop and do that. Ideally, you want him rushing the passer because that's what he's very, very good at. But for someone of this size, he does have very, very good movement skills, lateral movement skills, burst, and athletic ability. Now, he's not he can bend edge and he can change direction really well as a pass rusher but he's he's not like harold landry bending around the edge necessarily like that but he does have some twitch and that's something that you want to see in a 265 pound rusher how flexible are they in their lower half and he does possess that kind of flexibility but i can see him playing that carter coughlin cam brown lorenzo carter type role and filling in very very well there for patrick graham
2: yeah he may not have that um What's it called that von miller edge bend like you're talking about but he doesn't need it because he also has like you said really good lower body agility it may not be that step you know pinpoint you know you said landry he's also a good example of that type of edge bend but you see the moves he sets up, and a lot of them are with his quick feet and with his ability to kind of change direction with the lower half. Almost kind of looks like a basketball player it's sometimes out there when you watch him. There have been some really good cut-ups of, of um, Phillips going around Twitter lately as he's starting to kind of catch some buzz. People have you know created this buzz for him on draft Twitter. He's starting to move up, I guess, the draft Twitter ranks. I don't think that has any real impact on where these teams are taking players, but that's certainly—he's becoming a buzzy guy. And so, yeah, I think ultimately if you draft a player like Phillips, you have the chance. Now, this is, of course, if he lasts to 41 or 42 or 43 wherever the Giants are taking, I think it's 42. But, you know, it seems to change every day according to different sources we hear from. I'm sticking with 42. But if he does get you there, what you do have the chance, in my opinion, of getting is a year one difference maker as a pass rusher, which is almost impossible to find in the draft. Chase Young did it for the Reds uh, for Washington last year. Burns did it when healthy for... Uh, the Carolina Panthers but you don't see too many examples of these year one immediate bang they're one-on-one winners in the pass rush game and I think he can be that for the Giants I don't know if I feel comfortable saying Quitty Pay can be that year one I don't know if I feel comfortable saying Rousseau can be that year one and other than that I really don't see too many players who really strike me as guaranteed edge presence win one-on-one pass rush winners so it does get me excited now I'll say this is he someone you would consider taking at eleven? because I know and I'll say this I forgot to just mention him so before I say that Ujilari, who we talked about earlier not on this podcast yet but the Georgia pass rusher someone we will get to someone we're excited to get to and someone who when I watch can also win one-on-one with pass rush moves how would you compare those two because I know you earlier mocked Ujilari to the Giants at 11 would you put Phillips in that same category someone you feel comfortable taking at 11 I'm not done with Ujilari's uh, film evaluation quite yet but I've
3: just seen Georgia's defense and I think there's a misnomer that he can't play the run because he is one of those bendy really bendy really twitchy really explosive type of pass rushers but that dude can play the run I think he has a little bit more twitch than someone like Jalen Phillips but I think Jalen Phillips has a little bit more pop than yeah. someone like Ojalari. I think Jalen Phillips is longer than Ojalari. he's bigger has more of an NFL frame than someone like ojalari and to your one question that you said, would I consider him at eleven? I think it's somebody that is in consideration. I don't think it's ultimately gonna be the pick because of all the negatives that we've kinda of discussed on this podcast. But that's why I think if it he did last to 42, 43 in that second round, if Phillips was still there, I would definitely love that type of upside swing in the second round. I know it's burned the Giants in the past with guys like Marvin Austin and players like that, if we're gonna go back a decent amount. But I would I would absolutely love it, and obviously the scouts, the general manager, they're gonna have some sort of interviews with these guys. It might not it's not gonna be like in a traditional year, but they're gonna get to know these kids to some extent. And I think if everything checks out from that and the medical standpoint, adding someone like Phillips would just be an absolute. would be amazing in the second round.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with him at 42. I'm not on board with him at 11. If it was just me, I would never take someone with that injury history at 11. I also personally just think that the class of corners and and wide receivers at the top of the class at least, those who will be available at 11, are too good to pass up personally. And then if you also throw in the mix taking one of these guys over like a Micah Parsons, I don't know if I could I could be get on board with that either. I just see too many red flags. But I will say this. I'm in agreement with you that even though you've had your Marvin Austins in the past, and players like that who ultimately also had a year off from football before the Giants drafted him and then was a total bust with the Giants. I think that's the right play. I think you should be swinging for the fences when you're in the draft. I think you should be drafting based on dominant traits. You look for somebody who has a dominant trait that can translate. I don't think you should be drafting these 4-3 type defensive ends who rack up ten and a half sacks on their crappy college team against crappy tackles that they're never going to face in the NFL. I really do believe that you should be swinging for the fences and if you miss, you miss. It's not that important. It's not you don't lose much by missing out on the Adrian claiborne type defensive ends of the world or the you know the Carl Nassib's of the world. You know these players even from the last draft class of player who I was not very excited about AJ epinesa who I do not think had a really strong rookie season for the Bills. And just
3: attacking Iowa over here. Yeah, I am <laughs> coming hard at Iowa
2: right now with the claiborne and epinesa It just seems like they do have a lot of these types of four three ends guys that are productive at the college level against their crappy tackles that they face, but just don't have the traits that translate. So. I do think Phillips is a type of guy who does have the traits that translate. And it'll be interesting to see how his like where he goes in the draft. Everything's going to be so different without the traditional combine. You're not going to get all these numbers to crunch. You're not going to get teams talking at the combine leaking stuff so i'm really intrigued to see where a player with this type of profile again number one recruit out of high school corner, 24 7 had to reti- or decided to retire from football got hit by a car on a scooter and, and suffered bad head injuries then had more concussions and then let that which led him to quit and then came back had a decently slow start honestly for miami and then over the last seven games was the best pass rusher in college football by far yes and so and then you watch him on film and like you said incredible pop length holds up against the run, has literally almost everything you want out of a pass rusher.
3: Yeah. The combine stuff actually could hurt just the difference in yeah. combine I could hurt a player like Jalen Phillips, anybody with a lot of medical type of questions. Those are the guys who are going to be, who are going to suffer the most because of everything that's going on with COVID at the moment. But again, I want to circle back to something that I said a little bit before about Jalen Phillips. I, I'm not saying that he's stiff. I'm just saying that he, he's not as twitchy as some of yeah. the other guys. He can bend around the edge and bend through contact. He does possess those types. I'm just saying that that's not an elite trait of his. I want to make sure
2: I just lay that out there. Yeah, no no doubt. That's important to lay out, and I knew what you meant. But now everybody else has a good idea of that. All right, Nick, anything else you want to touch on on Phillips or you want to get to a little bit of Giants news? We have one small item to get to as the offseason trickles on. I, I think Phillips is gonna be a rising
3: name that a lot of people are gonna start uh maybe talking about a little bit more. And we saw it a little bit over the over this past week when people started putting clips up of him on Yes. On uh Twitter, on the Twitter sphere, because it's uh he's definitely somebody that has uh caught a lot of people's eye and I think it's
2: rightful. Yeah, and we'll see where he falls. If he's there again, if he's there at forty two, I think he should should and will be in consideration for the New York football Giants. All right, let's talk a little Giants news before we close out. Nothing too big so far. It's been a quiet off season to this point. But there is some news. Apparently, the Giants have opened up contract negotiations with Leonard Williams, impending free agent Leonard Williams. Do you have any thoughts on that, any takeaways from that?
3: I think Leonard Williams is more than likely going to be on the New York Giants because the guy who's going to be doing his contract
2: <laughs> has traded two
3: assets to acquire him when he was going to be an impending free agent. So I don't really have much. It's, it's probably just something that we all assumed was going to happen sooner or later, and hopefully they get a deal done that is not going to Totally screwed the Giants over because he
2: has a ton of leverage right now coming off of a double digit sack season, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, I mean, listen, Dave Gettleman didn't trade two draft picks, including an early third round draft pick for a guy who was going to be a free agent one season and then broke out, literally, and his contract year broke out to then not resign him. That's not Dave Gettleman. It doesn't make sense to really not resign him. You got to pay him. And listen, if it is a contract year, I know he didn't have a really good PFF pass rush win rate, but when me and Nick watched the film. We were completely fine with how he won as a pass rusher, and they're not. He's not a bendy guy off the edge. It's not how he's going to get his sacks, but he's a guy who fights. He continues through every snap and through every whistle, and he's really good in those stunts. And as the this is all he was doing. All of this without really any presence next to him on these two man games and these stunts. He had literally guys like Carter Coughlin, and you know, to some extent, like first parts of the season guys like Fackrell and just players that just don't really have it in them so I think based on that he'll be re-signed I think like you said though the Giants have lost all leverage they lost all they lost a lot of leverage when they made this type of trade for a player that was an impending free agent and they lost even more leverage when he had a breakout season so he's going to get paid a sizable chunk of, of money I think that when it's all said and done his contract will be similar to Aaron Donald's but a little differently structured I think it'll only be a three-year deal because I think that he is going to want to hit the market again. And I also think that it's going to be so much harder for him to get close to that Aaron Donald deal in this type of offseason when the Giants can just say, look, the cap is down. We don't have the money, COVID this, COVID that. You have to take what you have to take here. And no team is going to be offering you some kind of five, six year, multi-million dollar mega deal. So no real surprises to me that they open up contracts there. And I think that'll get done soon enough.
3: Same here. You mentioned something about his bend. Yeah, he's not really naturally a bendy person. Like he's this guy is was a three technique, a one technique, yeah. a no. You know what I'm saying? This guy's over 300 pounds. And if you looked at the uh, the tweet that I put up of just all 11 and a half of his sacks, if you look at the second one, it was against the 49ers. He beats this guard on a jab step outside, and then he dips his outside shoulder back inside and bends through contact not going like he's cornering, but just through the contact and away from the guard and into the pocket, people who are over 300 pounds aren't supposed to bend like that. They're not supposed to have that kind of lower body flexion. And Leonard has that. Leonard, I'm telling you, you give him somebody else opposite of him that can unlock a really, really interesting type of defensive yes. line now it's going to be on the Giants to to get Patrick Graham that kind of and asset. it's not going to be easy it's almost no. impossible
2: to find those assets no, they're absolutely. ridiculously hard to find they're almost impossible to find in the draft and they're even harder to find free agent. that's why it's part of the reason why so many people myself included weren't just sitting there all thrilled when the Giants beat the Redskins beat the Washington football team in that game two seasons ago because what they knew is what we knew is we're not getting the unicorn Chase Young is essentially a unicorn you're just not This draft class has no Chase Young. The draft class before that didn't have no Chase Young. The one before that didn't have no Chase Young. It doesn't come up very well. The one before that might have had Miles Garrett if we're digging that far deep. So they did have one. But it's so, so rare to get these guys. And they don't really often hit in a lot of the... That's why, like, it's part of the reason why I'm so against edge at 11. I just don't see any short things and if you're going to take a guy at 11 like an edge you're just you open yourself to a lot to a really low floor and then free agency route is just an absolute joke when it comes to edges at this point. It's impossible. I mean, even you see some of the successes lately, it's been like the Chiefs trading for Frank, Frank Clark and then re-signing him. They didn't sign him in free agency. They traded for him. Free agency almost never has good edges hit the market. And yeah, the Smith, the Smiths, the Darius and Preston they signed with the Packers lat two off seasons ago. That was pretty solid. They've been pretty solid there. They haven't been elite. They've been pretty solid, and they're getting paid like they're elite. So I don't know. I just feel like I agree with you. Leonard will look even better, and he'll be worth that contract if they get an edge. I just don't know how the Giants find that edge. It's almost like quarterback to me. Um, But I will say this. I'm not going to be disappointed when they give him this massive contract, and I know you're not either. And for those of you who missed it, you can check out Nick's Twitter. Um, I think he posted it yesterday or the day before. It was a video cut up of all of Leonard's sacks. So you can watch and be the judge for yourself right and a little bit of other news nfc east news to get to carson wentz today was traded by the eagles to the indianapolis colts they got back the eagles got back i should say a third round pick this year it's a colts pick so it's not very high i think it's the 21st pick in the third round and they also got back a conditional 2022 second round pick that could and likely will in my mind evolve into a first round pick as long as Wentz plays 70 percent of the snaps I believe it is 70 or 75 percent
3: 75 percent if they don't make the playoffs and 70 percent if they do make
2: the playoffs right. and he does have an injury history so it's no lock by any means that he'll play these snaps play the necessary snaps for him to get that but it seems likely even then I mean if they make the playoffs it's not going to be a high first round pick what did you make of that trade I mean, I think it was obvious
3: that the Eagles had to get rid of Carson Wentz. There was a fracture between the front office and Carson Wentz and even Doug Peterson, who was fired earlier this offseason. Yeah. I think when Howie Roseman selected Jalen Hurts, that basically ended everything. And it doesn't seem like Wentz was a was a favorite in the locker room. It was just a definite change of scenery type of move. Now the Colts, they got their quarterback now. Finally, Frank Reich, he has his quarterback, Chris Ballard. They signed Signed himself to the quarterback and he's gonna be tied into him through the twenty twenty-four season. And I wanna say the cap number for Carson Wentz is gonna be twenty two million or more every year. They got away from that contract, which is something that they needed to do. But, you know, if you would have told me a couple years ago, three years ago, hey, Carson Wentz, it's gonna be a horrible marriage with the Philadelphia Eagles, and this guy who almost won an MVP in twenty seventeen and helped lead his team to win a Super Bowl, he's He's gonna be traded, and it's gonna be ugly, and they're not gonna get a first round pick back. And I'd probably be like, "Oh, well, no, well, okay." Like as a Giant fan, I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I sign <laughs> off on it. So it wasn't the uh, the best situation for the Eagles, but they had to get away from that contract and just the player and kind of start afresh.
2: Yeah, and actually it's going to be a $33.8 million dead cap charge for the Eagles this year, which oh, is the okay. largest in NFL history. Part of that is, you're right, it's the, they're on the hook for the signing modes, but then it's partially the salary based on the year. It, it's kind of similar to what happened with Odell. The actual dead cap was was lower, but they had a, a larger total dead cap. As far as the deal goes, if you look at current co- recent quarterback deals, it seems like the Eagles didn't get much in return. And that totally adds up and makes sense. But when you factor in the fact that, like you said, Carson Wentz is now going to be on the books for 20-plus mil, multiple seasons with the Colts. They have to commit to that, the fact that he had the Eagles had almost no leverage in trade talks because now it's coming out the Bears weren't really interested at all they were just using the Bears to drive up the Colts price and the Colts you know waited it out and you even saw reports like the Eagles have to get rid of Wentz by the soup after the Super Bowl and then it was like okay now it'll be a little bit after and it just seemed like that relationship was dead there in Philly now as far as what Wentz is he was once a great quarterback I thought he was going to terrorize Giants fans and us for years for years at one point I was staunch in my argument that he was a much better quarterback than Dak Prospect, a much better prospect than Dak Prospect, uh, Prescott, I'm sorry. And he was going to be a top five NFL quarterback. That was as recent as two or three years ago. I felt that way about Wentz. He's regressed mightily. His pocket presence is bad. His ball placement is, in my opinion, the most underrated part of the struggles of Carson Wentz. The ball placement, even from clean pockets to me, struggled mightily in 2020. Now, can we throw out that year and say, he gets to Indianapolis, he gets an elite offensive line, he gets Frank Reich again, and they're probably going to make do a really good job to upgrade his skill positions and or his offensive line as well because they have tons of salary cap space and so you ask all those things when you come over and maybe he will be able to rebound there i'm not sure but from another standpoint the only standpoint i care about and the only standpoint you guys listening care about this isn't good for the eagles it's not because with this 33.8 million dollar dead cap bet they're punting essentially this 2020 season which is great 2021 season which is great for the Giants more importantly I don't think they have their quarterback I'm not a big Jalen Hurts guy I think he can move around run around have some good games put up some fantasy numbers but I don't think ultimately he can play within structure and keep the offense on schedule long enough I didn't love what I saw from him as a passer at Oklahoma I didn't love what I saw from him as a passer at Alabama and I didn't love what I saw from him as a passer with the Eagles to be completely honest last season so I think they'll you'll be able to scheme if that's happening already in his rookie season you saw it in that Washington game where he just couldn't generate any offense with his arm and they kind of shut down all the zone read stuff the Eagles are trying to do if that's happening already in your rookie season when you don't have any tape when the defenses don't have any tape on you I think it's a bad sign it's a little bit of a red flag so ultimately I said it before the draft and I'm standing by this I never thought the Eagles would take a receiver at six that would have been they're back-to-back receivers in round one, and they used the second-round pick the year before. That's not how I builds team. But now I think they're going to potentially take a quarterback there, Fields or Wilson, and I think both could one could potentially be on the board there based on how things fall. And so that scares me a little bit, to be completely honest with you, Nick.
3: Honestly, I think they should look at that offensive line, look to upgrade that. They need to look at the second there. They could use a lot of pieces. The Eagles are not in a great state right now, and, I mean, they, they hire Nick Sirianni, and some believe that it's just because not a lot of other, like, Possible head coaching candidates didn't really have desire. That should I go and coach the Texans? Should I go and coach Philly, or should I stay in my foundational role as a coordinator, where I'm at in a stable environment, and then just have more leverage next year's recruiting cycle? Because after the whole Doug Peterson fiasco, is it desirable to be the coach of this team right now (laughs) with Howie Roseman holding so much power in that position? Yeah, probably not. Doug Peterson. It seemed like he he was like happy to be fired. (laughs) <laughs> you feel like he felt like he earned
2: more credit and wasn't being given it yes. by the front office of the philadelphia eagles yeah, it does feel good to see a rift with the entire eagles organization right now it's not in good shape that could all change if they do land wilson or fields or trey lance and they end up being unbelievable literally changing the snap of a finger like i don't care about their roster don't care about anything if they have the quarterback that's it and that's same way i feel about the giants by the way if they can get that and hopefully jones will be that but right now as it stands this moment with Jalen Hurts as the only quarterback on the roster, a roster that is old at almost every position, like you said, and could use talent upgrades at literally almost every position. I don't think I could think of one on the roster besides maybe IDL. Yeah, IDLs. Even that's getting older as hell with Malik yeah. and Fletcher, both getting older, more injury prone. And obviously they have a right tackle who's the best in football when healthy. But, you know, the other tackle position, Andre Dillard, I don't know. I, used, I liked him a lot coming out, but he's been injured a bunch. So it's interesting there. I think ultimately it's a really good – positive development for the giants because you you don't want to have the hardest division in football um you never want to play against that you'll take we'll take a bad division okay we'll take that I don't, i'm i'm not someone who's ever going to complain about that all right nick anything else you want to touch on on recent news or no i think we're good to go already i'm just going to read one review it's from no name one one two three six big blue bandry says great show hope to get you guys to 500 soon will you helped us get closer we're still at 473 so we need about what 27 more reviews from you people so please please help us out go to itunes download subscribe hit that rate button write a little review ask a question we'll answer it on the show and help us get to 500 ratings on itunes otherwise you can find us on instagram at ny big blue banter that's ny big blue banter have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon